0: To another exciting episode of the Development Hell podcast. This is episode number forty-eight. I am currently basking in the glow of Germany's crushing victory over Brazil at the World Cup of football. Worst loss ever by Brazil um, in the World Cup, and their worst loss since nineteen twenty when they got when they got slaughtered six nothing by Uruguay. So I'm in quite a happy mood today. Uh, so as always, I'm joined by my co-host Ed Finkler. Uh, Ed, how are you today?
1: i'm doing fine thank you sir
0: <laughs> we're very formal today i see yes sir you sir are a cad and then i'll slap you with a white glove <laughs> and we can have a duel with pistols at dawn uh so yes, yeah, so it's the beginning of the summer we're just past canadian uh canadian holiday uh canada day we d- we don't have independence day because we're too polite to rebel and we, had, and we had independence day in the u.s everyone's back after a long weekend and so we're gonna dive right back into it 48 uh, 47 other times we've gotten together this is the 48th we're gonna maybe we'll do 50 and retire who knows Uh, and then we can do the very lucrative reunion tour afterwards like every other uh, um, aging band does Um, so well we're going to switch things up a little bit today ed wanted to talk about the sponsors so ed launch into the sponsors
1: i think i'd like to talk about the sponsors this time buddy what do you think does he think that's all right
0: yeah go for it man
1: okay so uh first off we've got two sponsors today uh, the first one is watchmecode.net, watchmecode.net, and they have these awesome JavaScript screencasts, which are super cool, and I think they do like one once a week or something like that, or maybe more, I don't know, they do a lunch of them, they're really cool, and uh, I remember looking at, I think I'm quoted on the page, I don't actually remember saying it, but I think I'm quoted on there. That uh, anyway, they had uh, good stuff uh, teaching you about JavaScript stuff, and like I remember, there was some stuff with internals I didn't understand. I didn't know until I looked at a couple things on there. It's pretty cool. Um, so, I, you know, it's kind of important because you got JavaScript is something you got to use, you know. Like, pretty much, if you make web applications, unless you're some kind of super DevOps nerd or something like that, and uh, or at least have some understanding of it. So, there's a lot of good stuff in there from like sort of language fundamentals to things, to tools, tutorials, testing code, and stuff like that. So, uh, there's lots of good stuff in there, and you can get a subscription over at watchmecode.net. And if you go to watchmecode.net slash dev D E V H E L L, you're gonna get thirty five percent off your subscription. That's the kind of deals that we bring you here at the Dev Hell Podcast. That's the kind of power we have. These are volume this is the, the, the advantages of power buying that we have. The volume. The volume of our listeners brings you those kinds of discounts, and that's what we do for our for our fans out there. You know, just a little something we're throwing your way. Hope you like it. And then uh, the other ones we got are a Rove, or Roav, Roav. It's Rove. Rove. So Roav is, um, no, it's Rove. Uh, those guys are like these badass PHP developers, and you hire them, you're like, hey, I've got this super complex PHP application that I hired like uh, my uh, nephew and a couple folks to do it, um From overseas, and it's now just like a giant root kit uh, and, and shell and and they've just destroyed everything. And you call these dudes in and they come in and clean your stuff up, take care of business. They uh, are just expert PHP developers. you can call on anytime super badass and stuff like that. And they also do training. Um, they do a lot of PHP training. Also, if you do anything with Zen Framework, ZF1 or ZF2, they know a bunch about that stuff. So these guys are apparently uh, super awesome at it. And I've, I'm not apparently, I actually know. They're super awesome at this stuff. So uh, if you need uh, any PHP, like high-end PHP, you know, Enterprise. We're into the Enterprise now. Did you know that, Chris? We're in the Enterprise world now?
0: I'm thinking this is the biggest mistake we've ever done on the podcast.
1: Yep. Yeah, we're in the Enterprise now, and these guys know the Enterprise. So, yeah. that's All, those, all is,
0: five versions of it, yes, they know
1: yeah. it. Yeah, uh-huh. And so uh, you need some help with, like, super awesome PHP development stuff, you call tell the guys at Rove, Rove.com, roav com, Or you can think of it, Rowav, like R-O Avenue, if you need help remembering it, like some kind of mnemonic or something like that. Rowav, if you want to. It might be better to remember it that way. Anyway, uh, they help us out and keep it free, you know, so uh, give them a check out. Check them out, Rove. dot com.
0: Yeah, we're never doing that again, Ed. Okay, that was that was like that's almost a whole podcast itself.
1: have got to give them the time they deserve.
0: This is true. Our sponsors, we love our sponsors. Don't get us wrong, but I'm just never more happier that I have a mute on my mic during during Ed's wonderful ad reading. It was quite inventive, and uh, uh, I th- I think you should look into like doing improv comedy. I think you're a natural, Ed.
1: You know, I don't practice my talks at all i, I don't, I don't and,
0: practice them either so you and i are the same that way you know, i'll do, give you a little e high five for that one high five <sighs> yeah man i never practice my talks at all i see people like practice for like 20 30 hours go over the talk like 20 times i'm like man why i just go up there and start talking oh well
1: yeah i think some people i guess uh they don't they have a slightly more fear of just being a jackass in front of people, whereas yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable with that. I yeah, guess weirdly, I worry about lots of other things, but for some reason, that I don't worry
0: about as much. I don't know why. I worry about very, very little, as people who follow me on Twitter clearly know. The Usually, yes. things I worry about, I don't talk about on Twitter anyway. All right. Well, anyway, Ed, that was thanks for thanks for the one the very different alternative uh, uh, sponsorship. You watch,
1: all these people are going to want to be sponsored. Sponsoring us now because of this, this reading that I did.
0: Well, be sure that when you want to talk about sponsoring, be sure to tell everyone who you want to read your ads, whether you want Ed or whether you want me to do it. Oh, so, yeah, that's a good idea. We should have a checkbox. Yeah, you know, we can do premium for Ed. Yeah, So you let Ed wet
1: his beak a little bit on it.
0: <laughs> to overcome his anxiety, we have to, like, add another five bucks to it, or else Ed example, and read it. Yeah. All right, well, enough about humor, because this is a very serious, technical, not-for-all-ages podcast. Um, yep. So our guest this week is someone that uh, both Ed and I know uh, that we have met in person multiple times. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's... Well, because sometimes some of the people we have on are people that only one of us has met, or or we've only you know, or we've never actually met them in person. We just know them from Twitter or or other social media. But we have um, Liz Smith on Liz Smith. For those who don't know, uh, trying to think of the nice way to say these things: a core PHP developer, uh, Windows masochist, Sigwin uh, abuser. And the person that got me uh, hooked into mentoring people. So um, so we decided to have her on. So hello, Liz. How's it going? Pretty good. Yes, fun.
1: Are you talking into a webcam right now?
2: <laughs> no comment.
1: <laughs> uh, yep, that's about it. So yeah, how's things going, Liz?
2: They're going okay.
0: It's a good talk wow just dynamic uh, dynamic guest tonight all right so let's just so let's just kind of get into things like we had a couple of topics <laughs> so the, the big thing was first that ed uh, did a blog post um for the pastry box is that who it is
1: yeah uh the pastry box project which is sort of like a, a collective blog thing where they invite it's pretty big time pretty big time stuff uh you're a pretty important person if you get invited uh, As a note to that, I've never been
0: invited, so clearly it is big yep. time.
1: Big time stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, they like uh, invite, like they get invite a group of people to write a blog post a day. Uh, you know, so they invite like I don't know about 30, 28 people or something like that, or twenty five. or something. anyway, for like a year, so you do like one a month. You do a blog post like once a month, and you end up doing like ten because you get a couple of months off or something like that. But. Um, yeah, I called the it's called the pastry box, and so yeah, I wrote this blog post. Anyway, you're doing a good job. I don't know why I interrupted. You should have just kept
0: talking. I mean, Ed did highlight something that crosses the mind of um, of a lot of developers as they get older, because as we do know, the ageism is a uh, is. Something that happens in tech, and especially when you have people like uh, Mark Zuckerberg saying that younger people are just generally smarter, and all the other kind of bullshit that uh, young people that have no experience always like to talk about. And Ed kind of talked a bit about, um, you know, uh, and I I can go through some of this stuff too. You know, as you get older and your life outside of programming becomes a lot more complicated, suddenly you have. Less time than you used to To dive into things Plus, you know Your memory's not the same Your energy level's not the same um, It's like, you know To use the cliche It's like father time Conspiring against you To prevent you from doing The things that you want So, Ed, you know Flaccid, very nice Ed um, No problem <laughs> Uh, so Ed, uh, you know, talked about this stuff, and I mean, I know that I joked that uh, during, the during the pre during uh, the pre before we started recording, that you know we're trying to think of who's a developer who's almost as old as us that we could have on. So, and of course, I thought of Liz. So, um, I- real nice, real nice. <laughs> it's my show; I can slap around anybody that I want. So, uh, so, so I want to get Liz on to get the perspective because Liz has tons and tons of experience, having worked for a wide variety of people. And now, I think, what Liz, you're doing consulting stuff these days. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, hired gun sort of mentality. So, I mean, have you read Ed's Ed's blog post? Yes, I have. So what's your take on what Ed was talking about there?
2: Uh, I kind of think that um, in many ways I have run into the same issues. Uh, You can't learn everything. You can't know everything. And no matter what kind of a developer you are, no matter really what age you are, you have to decide what path you're going to steer yourself on and not get upset about the fact that you can't know everything. Uh, And I think that was one of the first things that made me feel like a real developer Um, because I started out doing everything, uh, design, you know, the HTML, the CSS, all this stuff. Then I started learning C and I came to the conclusion that to be really good at one thing, I was going to have to let go of something else. And I couldn't let it bother me that I didn't, know everything and wasn't good at everything anymore. And at that point, I decided I wanted to get into the guts of systems. So I had to let it go. And I don't let it bother me when people say, wait, you don't know how to do this or this or this? Oh, there's always a new fad. I do, however, think that you have to invest in yourself. I have an hour a day that I set aside to do something and learn and keep up with what I do in my career. But I don't really see how that's different from any other career. I hear all the time about, you know, a teacher has to go back to school and, and update their learning. No matter what you do, you have to keep up. Um, but you can choose what is important. And you, I think that a lot of times people who are developers end up in a little bubble, um, go to Reddit too much, forget that there's a big wide world out there beyond what they see that isn't quite so much into the ageism. Uh, I have a father who is a developer, and at 60 he learned a new programming language and went and did a totally totally new uh, path for his development career. So it can be done, and you need to just not feel so bad about it all the time.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily feel bad about it all the time. Because, I mean, I've kind of come to terms with, I mean, I got a pretty late start as far as um, web development and stuff goes. I didn't get my first paying job till I was 26, I guess. So that is kind of late, especially these days. Um, so I mean, the age stuff doesn't bother me because I just look at it. I've gained enough experience and stuff that, you know, I was talking to somebody about this today, that there's very little that I... Um, that I haven't come across in terms of like things that you can do online. And so now it's kind of at the point where I'm just trying to figure out at any given point in time, what's the best tool that inter- integrates with the stuff that I know how to do um, to, to get something done. Um, I, I know that there was something interesting I, I read. I, I think it was time... Uh, I think I don't know if Ed talked about it, but there's another post. Someone in the um IRC channel did a link to uh um Bob uh Bob Martin's uh post on ageism. And I, I think I saw something that was talking about how kind of like people there's a risk that sometimes that you become too specialized. Like I know, I. I mean, even now, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting typecast as the testing guy. And as fun as fun as it is to play that role, um, I worry about getting shoehorned to that. So I'm trying to branch out into into other stuff as well. So I, I mean, be, despite what some people think, uh, as they as we come up as programmers come up with more and more tools to help solve problems, there's still a lot of Power in being a generalist and knowing how to do a wide variety of things—you um, just can't escape it. It's—I think these days it's—it's—it's it's, it's incredibly hard to get long-term recurring work um, where the money keeps going up and up if you're if you only know one little tiny niche. Um, despite the fact that there are niches where people can make lots of money, because a lot of this is unfortunately goes back to, to money. Uh, being a generalist is probably still your um, still your best bet.
1: I uh you know the thing obviously I kind of laid it out the and I guess kind of how I felt in the in the blog post and the thing that was you know there were sort of like specific things that I talked about in there but generally it was sort of this this overall feeling of like I think it was it was from you know maybe part of it comes from my particular pattern of you know how my career's gone where I was really like a like a one-man web shop for a long time, which you know, I still worked for a you know a company as of like five years ago, a company, a, a university, and my title was webmaster, which you know nobody uses that anymore. But yeah, I mean, they still just like you're the webmaster, right? This is 2009, right? <laughs> you know, if we can go past this, um, but uh, I I did almost everything. Now I didn't do system administration. But I did configure the uh, software like Apache, MySQL, PHP configs, uh, Postgres. So actually, we used Postgres and MySQL in different situations. Uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, maintained an FTP server, this and that, you know, all this sorts of stuff. And I did all the design, and I did some print design for them. And so just a bunch of different stuff. And I, I liked a lot of that because I got to kind of keep in touch with a lot of stuff. Um but at the same time, uh, it was, you know, you just don't have many of those opportunities, I think, when you're trying to do like if you're trying to build a, a larger application and you're, or, you know, I think most of the time you're part of a team. There aren't a lot of situations. There aren't a ton of jobs except for things like that where you're sort of like, I'm the webmaster for the math department or something like that. Uh, there aren't a lot of those sort of like lone wolf jobs. Uh, it seems like maybe, maybe they're just not there anymore, or maybe there never were a lot of them, but it seems like that's something that kind of used to exist and doesn't really exist anymore. And so I think part of it for me has been that transition to a team. And I guess I transitioned on that pretty late, right? You know, but um, what I so I think what's hard for me is that feeling like now it's hard for me to know. It used to be that I felt like I could develop something from top to bottom and a lot of times uh now i feel like uh especially with like the stuff that we have at work like we have a, a you know robust uh devops setup and we have uh you know a, our expectations for good design and html and css and javascript stuff and weighty you know thick front end stuff and and uh and and the and good you know um we use MongoDB a lot or other things like that and how that's configured up and things like that. I just don't know enough about those things. And it's sort of, I think maybe it's just that it's this feeling like I feel like I know less than I did. (laughs) Right. I guess that's at the end of the day is it sort of feels like, man, I used to know more than I do now. I used to be capable of more than I am now. And I don't think that's really the case, but I think that it's just hard not to feel that way. When you, t- you know, so I I wouldn't say I over-specialize. I mean, I still know about a few different things. I still know a fair bit about front-end development. I still know a fair bit about, you know, back-end server-side development. I still know, you know, some decent stuff about different databases and how they work and advantages and disadvantages and cognitive dissonance between different types and stuff like that. And I have some basic, I mean, I can set up my own VPS and I can, you know, do some basic stuff with something like Ansible or some other kind of provisioning thing. And I've learned how to do that stuff. And I guess, you know, I, am capable of doing those things. I just, it's hard where I feel like, man, I used to know how to do all this stuff. And like, I, and, and then you move into it. It's like, it's like now I feel like I'm less capable and more reliant on other people than I used to be.
0: Um, I don't I know. Here's the, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing that I've noticed with everything that you've been talking about, what's happened yeah. Ed is that, other people have come up with abstractions to hide all mm. that complexity away from yeah. from from people and mm-hmm. so you really don't need to know uh, <clears throat> for the vast it, it's like the um, trying to think of a good analogy here it's like whereas we used to have to know 100% of something, we now only need to know the hard 10% of it. Because you talk about uh, provisioning boxes, right? Look at yeah. something like Vagrant. I mean, now I'm in the same boat. I know how to go and configure a Linux server and get it up and running. I have a VPS. I configured it all myself. But the point is now you don't have to. Enough people have put time into creating tools that that abstract a lot of that stuff out and wrap it in something nice and comfortable so that you can then that so that you can then go on and use your brain to solve other more difficult problems where you no longer have where provisioning a server is no longer an obstacle. It's like, okay, yeah, I can All get right. a new server up and running. And then the, the, the trick is is learning problem-solving, right? A lot of developers are actually, despite what they would like to think about themselves, are actually really bad at problem-solving. The culprit is that when you see people reinventing something that already exists, they have forgotten how to solve a problem.
1: And that's interesting because I, if I always kind of feel like that I am good at problem-solving most of the right, but time, I'm, right? But, yeah. but, what I'm,
0: but what I'm saying is that when you see people reinventing things, Mm-hmm. Um, is usually a sign that they're not the problem solver that they think they are. So, right. so I think the problem, the, not that it's a problem, but the things that so many other people who are smarter and have more energy and have more time on their hands have gone and created tools so that we no longer have to worry about being able to manually do. Things like provision a server, manually do builds, things like that. So I I get what you're saying, Ed. I think the I think the trick is now is understanding that what you used to what you and I and Liz as well used to find difficult is now is now old and expected to us. We know exactly how to handle it. Whereas there are many people that look at I would have no idea how to start with this thing that Ed knows how to do, or I would have no idea how to how to create a uh, build environment on Windows to build and test PHP with. Those are things that the three of us have learned through experience, and now we don't have to think about them because we know how to do them. So that gets shoved into long-term memory with a nice index on it, and it pops up whenever we need it, and instead we can start concentrating on solving more difficult problems. That's that's how I look. It's like I don't need to worry about some of these things anymore because somebody else has figured out a way to make me not worry about it anymore.
1: Yeah, I can dig that. Yeah, I can dig that.
0: I think so, no, there's
2: I, another side to that too. You you have to remember that, especially as a lone wolf developer, I was that way for many years. Uh, you don't you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, I knew how to I knew how to configure an Apache server. Did I know how to configure it? Absolutely great and every little back corner. No. No. Did I know I didn't know that? Heck no. Now <laughs> I do, and now I feel stupid. Because I don't know all those little edge cases that have always existed. Again, the more you know, the more you don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I can dig that. It's it's it's. I think the interesting thing is, uh, I think we kind of need to keep talking about that stuff a little bit because one of the things that I got with this, now I didn't I didn't read uh, the comments like on Hacker News or shit like that because I don't do that. But, um. Never
0: read the comments. Yeah,
1: exactly. So then that's all the Hacker News is is comments. So why would I read it? Um, uh, but. The uh, I think the interesting thing is I just I, I mean, just via Twitter or I got a few people emailing me and stuff like that, that a lot of people were saying, like, yeah, I feel like this all the time <laughs> and that uh, I sort of thought I was the only one. And, you know, it, it's it, I, I'm not sure I'd call it some kind of crisis thing or something like that. But clearly there's sort of a, you know, a, a kind of a, a that there's a thinking like that and there's an anxiety that goes along with it. This anxiety that, and and that's that's you know for some people I guess that can be kind of motivating, but also it's you know it, it, I think uh, I would say that that that's problematic, you know. And I, I wish that uh, maybe we could talk more about that stuff, you know, more about what are the advantages and disadvantages, and that there's that ex you know somebody who has ten or fifteen years experience doing something. Um, I think there's a fear that uh in in this uh i think there's a fear i haven't run into it yet but i have that fear that i'm going to run into it and i've heard of it happening where it's the idea is that you're kind of well your skills are just out of date or the knowledge you have is out of date or and there's you know have either you guys run into anything that you would equate to ageism
0: I have, I personally haven't, but sometimes I wonder in the past for positions I've applied to and stuff. Uh, if, if they look at the years of experience and then, I mean, some, some of it is just purely money driven. They know they're going to have to pay a more experienced developer more money to do a job. So I've, I don't think, I don't think I've ever had anyone come up and say to me outright that, I'm too old or too experienced for something. I mean, that's just, I mean, it could just be because I, I always keep pushing to do the jobs that I, um, that I want to do. So I'm kind of never in that awkward. I haven't been in that awkward position of like having to apply for an entry level position when I clearly have lots of experience. I mean, I'm sure other people have gone through that, but for me, nope. Uh,
2: I, haven't run into the ageism thing. And I basically think it's because I have run into other issues with being a woman in tech, being a mother who has to deal with, you know, I, I need to be able to work remote. I have to have flexible time. I've hit every other obstacle. I just think I never actually got to the point where that one was the obstacle I was going to hit. So uh, that being said, I have a father who's uh, been a programmer for years and he has hit these situations. So uh, I've seen it in action, although it has never happened to me
1: personally. Right. Yeah. Um, but he has run into that. I mean, I don't want to push too hard, but I'm kind of interested to see like, did that, did, you know, did any of that, when did that start happening to him that you observed?
2: Um, As horrible as this is to say, I think it was when the gray starts coming
1: out of the hair. <laughs> I wondered about that a little bit.
0: I, I mean, I'm, really. I'm bald, so, and I shave my head so I have perfect cover.
1: So yeah, <laughs> man, nailed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
2: it's. I mean, it's going to be different for every person. And, you know, uh, my dad never had an issue with it because he was, you know, good enough. He retrained himself and went in a different direction with his career. But mm-hmm. Not everybody is willing to do that,
1: right? Yeah. Uh yes. Until you become a cliché gray beard.
0: <laughs> yeah, I should probably shape my head. Yeah. I no, Ed, No, no, that. Ed. You have a beautiful head of hair. Don't don't fuck with that. Trust <laughs> me, trust me. Don't mess with it. Uh, uh, I admire your hair. I I would I would be probably rocking some really weird like. I would probably do in the faux hawk thing if I still had hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, dude, hold on to that until the bitter end. Don't don't mess with it.
1: You know, I used to have really long hair, like when I was just in... Uh, Kindergarten? Oh, no, no, what I would say, like out of high school. And I, I like to let my hair grow for like a year and a half. And uh, I had hair like almost down to my
0: ass. Really? Wow, that's impressive. yeah. So I know that when we introduced Liz, we kind of glossed over uh, a bit about what she does. So instead of uh, Ed and I uh, acting as your cheerleader, why, why don't you tell us what you do when people ask you what you do for a living?
2: What do I do for a living? I make computers do evil things.
0: Oh come on, be more uh, specific.
2: <laughs> more specific. Um, seriously though, I like to do work that people consider hard or impossible. Um, currently right now, one of the things I'm doing is I'm working to help port HHVM, uh, to work on Windows. And in fact, I have it running in Sigwin right now, um, which was pain, but it was really exciting to get it done. Um, I like doing desktop applications with PHP, not because it's a great idea, but because it's insane and it's fun and it's different. Um, I also really like to... Run teams, I like to train devs, which is how I got started with the whole phP mentoring thing. Uh, so I do some of that too, uh, basically, I want to get paid for the stuff that I would do anyway in my free time, and that's what I go for when I do projects
1: nice,
0: yeah, I think that sums it up actually quite nicely, so as I joked before, you are a windows masochist. Um, it's interesting because, as most people, most people don't associate with actually with doing any kind of serious work with PHP. Of course, you could say serious work with PHP is an oxymoron. Anyway, um, doing serious work in PHP on Windows. So, how did you end up? How did you end up becoming a, the community's expert on PHP on Windows, for lack of a better label?
2: Okay. Um, one of the things a lot of people don't know is that there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of PHP running on Windows every day that you never see. Uh, the reason for that is because almost all the PHP installations on Windows are in intranets, hmm. inside companies doing internal applications. And I've done a lot of work right th- like that. In fact, that was my first development position. Um, uh, I got a, my Dad got me a nice uh, nepotism boost, got me a job at the place where he worked when I was pretty young. And I was building machines, and they were were moving everything over from uh, a Unix mainframe and some Linux servers onto a a Windows domain. Um, If you know anything about engineering, you know that all the good uh, 3D engineering software is on Windows. So if you have engineers, you're in a Windows world. That's the way it works. Uh, So they were transitioning over, and they had lots and lots of custom software that had been written. They're like, well, we want you to port this all to ASP. And I said, no. (laughs) And I just kind of put it on the Windows boxes, and it ran. So why would I need to do anything else?
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And the other thing is PHP is really, really good glue. Uh, So I was doing all kinds of really evil things pulling data out of different data stores like all the crazy people who would, you know, write an application in Access on their database. And I'm like, ugh! Oh, God. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, God. So then I'd use PHP to actually talk to the big SQL server they had paid for that actually had the data and then push it through and into this little web form to actually do something with it. Yeah, lots of that. Gluing different pieces of their internal software together. And so... About PHP 5.2, the main packager for the Windows platform uh, fell off the face of the earth. Uh, there's always jokes about the bus factor. PHP literally had a bus factor of one, and he went poof. Um, so
1: did he actually poof, or did he just disappear? <laughs> he, well, there he There was there was
2: like real life issues going on. Yeah, right. I but got basically, you. there was no replacement either. And he was somewhere in Europe, and nobody could get a hold of him, so we couldn't even, you know, train a replacement. Uh, so I kind of sat down and figured out how to build PHP on Windows, which if you've ever done it, is not fun. Um, and then I taught a couple of other people how to do it, and we kind of put together a team, because we got an ultimatum uh, from the rest of the PHP people that, you know, we want to release 5.2. Either you get a Windows build going, or we'll release 5.2 without a Windows build, which would have been really bad.
1: Yeah, that would have been bad.
2: So that's how that came about. Um, At that point, I moved on and and moved to another company and have not done so much on Windows except for my own fun uh, since. But I get really, really irritated by people who are like, Windows is terrible. Let me tell you a little secret. All computer code is terrible. Doesn't matter the system. How dare you? They all do it a little differently, but they all do it stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: and so I really feel that it's important to have a few people who know enough about all of the systems to make open source useful for everyone. So that's why I raise my flag for Windows with for open source stuff.
1: Nice. Um, I wonder, you might have some good perspective on how... Um, Windows support for PHP has changed over the years because it seems like
2: oh yeah
1: that's, that's changed a lot and it's really gotten a lot better. And I'd, I'd really be interested to hear your perspective from it, say, what was it like, say, 10 years ago and what is it like now?
2: <laughs> it was much different. Um, so, one of the things people don't hear about is that Microsoft has put a large amount of resources in the form of servers in the form of people uh, in, in the form of money into helping PHP be good on Windows. Um, they weren't 10 years ago. They had donated one box that was sitting in the OmniTI offices that were doing all the Windows builds. That's how their, their interest started. And when 5.2 came along, we were like, we're going to release no Windows build. Ah! Um, we kind of got into some contact with people at Microsoft. And at that point, Microsoft was spinning up their, their open source lab Uh, This is what's really amusing to me is the whole, you know, Microsoft's pendulum was all everything's closed and they're swinging way open source and and Apple's was all open source and now they're swinging way closed. And it's amusing as hell to me to see the cycle going. Mm -hmm. But so Microsoft has been providing, they they wrote test suites, they provide all these boxes that tests are done on. They've paid developers to work on Windows, Windows. yeah, now they have all the, this stuff that they're offering open source across the board, really. Uh, they offer it to Perl and Python and all kinds of people because they've realized that if stuff, open source stuff works really well on Windows, people are going to keep using Windows. Right? Makes yes. sense to me. Uh, so they put their money where their mouth was and they made it better. And, and that's really where the support was. It's not even so much from the community. The community was scrambling. And Microsoft gave the support that was needed. And that was great. And I wish every company would be as great about giving back to open source as they have been.
1: That's a good quote. Good quote there. That's, that's a good very, quote. That's a
0: very good quote. That's a money quote if there is a good one. quote.
1: <laughs> I mean i better write that down. <laughs> uh, now here, let me get it. I'm gonna type it in. <laughs>
0: So uh, the interesting thing is I, t- I talked about this really briefly, and I'm trying to scroll through my history on my um, grumpy pad to see if I can find it. But um, I saw this interesting post because it came up on Twitter uh, about someone had uh, worked on, uh, it was Python, not PHP. You know, we know that Python has problems with uh, global interpreter lock, and that's made doing concurrency... Uh, and, and some threading stuff very difficult to do in Python. And so yeah. someone had come up with a solution for this, and I just can't find it. Oh, Trent's stuff. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Where it runs on Windows, because what I didn't know, and I read this, I went through the presentation, and it was fascinating to me to see this. And was they discovered, yeah, you know who has a really awesome concurrency model? Um, Windows. And Windows NT. And this and is why I say. This is what t- I
2: say. Yeah. All systems do something good. And all of them do something bad. Windows does concurrency and threading like a boss.
0: Yeah, I just wish I could find the presentation. Um,
2: uh, let me see if I can find it.
0: Yeah, um, but you know the one. I'm But uh, you, you clearly know the one that I'm talking about. But it was it was really. I mean, it was just interesting reading because he because t- he talked about comparing. Like uh, Linux to Windows, and like they were, they're like, yeah, we can use this thing. We can use this on Windows, and look at all this benefits that we get from it. Cause yeah,
2: it's it's. His name is Trent Nelson. Uh, he was originally involved in um, some open source um, twisted and a few other things. Uh, that's what you're looking for, I believe.
0: Oh, did you add it to our thing here? Can you uh, do that. Do, 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 do. Let me see. Where is it? Yes, the that,
2: stuff.
0: Yes, that is the yes. one.
2: Yes. So that's really cool. And I was looking at some of that stuff um, that could probably be implemented with uh, PHP itself because uh, PHP kind of has that issue too if you're running it in thread-safe mode. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to add this to the show notes because really I think this is, I th- I thought this was an awesome presentation.
2: Oh, yeah. If you don't know a lot about How things work at the core, how how the Linux kernel works and how it does parallelism and how the Windows kernel works and how it does it. This is a great thing to read because it will open your mind to the fact that there's not just one way of doing things. And this is why it's not good to have a monoculture in computing, right? Because sometimes you come up with different ways of doing things that are better depending on what you need done. In this case, you want awesome parallelism. This is a great way.
0: Yeah, if, like only, if only there was more support for some other libraries to support parallelism. I can see. I mean, I found this out uh, when in my newsletter I did my little four hours with segment that I did one on React PHP because you know why why learn Node when I can do async in, in PHP with React. So uh, discovering that, of course, the issue is libraries. Um, yes, the support for libraries, especially database ones, to support asynchronous calls and making things non-blocking, um, is really, really weak. And I know that. Um,
2: oh, React- and some of the some of the core libraries that are on systems every day are really, really crappy. Uh, for example, B, Okay, like translate the the transliteration stuff. I, that is horrible for anything that needs to do anything async. That'll lock up your system like no man. <laughs> uh, Get Text is another one. It, it has really big issues with any kind of uh, parallelism, concurrency, the threading stuff. It kind of works but not really. Uh, and some of these are really old, you know, trusted libraries. It's just that um, I tell people this and they don't believe me. A lot of the systems you work on on a daily basis are rotting in the sea underneath.
0: Oh, I, I don't. I don't doubt that at all.
2: I, I used to say that you know, OpenSSL was my poster child for the worst library in the world, and everybody laughed at me. And then we had a heart bleed, and I'm like, ha ha. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really harsh, Liz. I'm surprised to hear you talk that way. <laughs> no, I, I'm you're
1: not, not. I'm oh, not, not really.
2: <laughs> but on the other hand, you don't see a lot of young developers really want to go out and make our core C code better either, right?
0: It, well, I mean, that may also be because the skill set required is, uh, it's not as easy as following uh, um, how to make a blog uh, tutorial or how to make a simple Echo server. I mean, that is part of the issue too, right? The skill the, to fix all this rotting C code, you need competent C programmers. Well, and, you also and, need... And what's, to- the, and what's the payback? Don't interrupt me on my own show. That you want to have, what's going to be attractive? How many startups are going to be doing stuff with C that these kids who have dreams of uh, driving Lamborghinis uh, through the mission, um, what's the payoff for them to learn C? There's almost none.
1: They're writing Swift code, dude. They've got 10 years experience (laughs) in Swift.
0: Swift. I'm looking for a Swift developer with four years experience.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, there was already a programming language named Swift. So that don't matter Some fun with that. I do know Swift I've been doing it for 10 years
0: revisionist yeah, history bro. don't worry <laughs> we have always been at war with Eurasia you know how it is, <laughs> I, mean, this is a, the, but I think this is a good point like, I would like to learn C and I will probably use Zed Shaw's learn C the hard way to get my skills up to where they need to be hey
1: hey, hey hey what, what? don't you endorse saying? that on this podcast
0: sure I can I love Zed Shaw I had dinner Three times with Zed Shaw when I went to Oradev. He's an awesome <laughs> dude. He is not at all in person like he is on Twitter, which is which provided me with some uh, f- material on how to do my own performance art on Twitter correctly.
1: Well, that explains um, a lot.
0: It does, and you know, C like should are there more C hackers required? Absolutely, but the payoff for learning C it it, it doesn't seem that, it doesn't seem like there. I mean, it doesn't seem like there is one. If it you depends
2: it, on what you want is your payoff. If you want money as your payoff, no, C's not going to bring you the money. If you want to be able to do really cool shit, C is the way to go. The other problem with C, uh, which is goes into the mentoring thing, it is very much tribal knowledge. You need to find a good C developer to become a good C developer, which is a horrible chicken and the egg problem. There is only so much you are ever going to learn from a book. Only so much you can learn on your own. There is so much of C that you will not learn until you find an awesome dev to sit down next to and go help.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Liz, we end up with awkward pauses all the time. Don't, don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. So, um, I I mean, sure. more, it's always the case that the, the skills that are really needed, Nobody ever develops because it's easier to just, it's easier to, to chase the dollars. With the, uh, for lack of a better word, a um, lesser skill set. I mean, I would love to learn more C, um, and, but then I look at it too. So, what are some of the things I could I could do with C? Well, if I learn some C, I don't know. I could maybe do some PHP stuff, but I, I don't think I have the patience for internals, so that's probably not a good idea. I mean, but then again, if you look at it in terms of serendipity, you never know what happens when you learn when you learn a language or you learn to use a library. You never know what twists and turns you may end up doing something uh, uh, completely different from what you thought. I mean, I know. This will shock people to no end, but, but being a programmer was not the thing that I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be a sysadmin, because that's what I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed tinkering with the Linux box and setting everything up, and then I just kind of stumbled into programming as something to do to, uh, something to do at the company I was working for. And then I had learned programming when I was really younger with the Vic20 and stuff, and I just decided, well, I'm sort of kind of familiar with this already. Let's see what happens. So I mean, So in other words, learn some C. Because you never know. You may you may end up fixing something critical to somebody and then that's when you'll be making it rain on a nightly basis.
1: Did you uh <laughs> did you run Linux on your VIC twenty?
0: Uh, no, because because uh, I only had five K of memory. Uh, I, I couldn't get the eight K expansion. My parents would yeah, my parents that's were why, for it. Yeah, that's sorry.
1: why microkernels are the shit.
0: Yes. well, oh, I love my Vic twenty. I wish I knew what happened to it.
1: Yeah, I I'd buy it off you if you had it. Fuck I wouldn't sell it to you. Fuck you. <laughs> I have a sixty-four and a one twenty eight, but oh, I, don't well, if, I don't have a you. well I don't good have for you. One. It is good for me. But I don't have a one I I don't have a Vic twenty. I'd like to have one. I
0: what, do have a what?
1: Commodore data set. Remember Cassette t- storing shit on Cassette yes, tapes. Of that was awesome.
0: No was the shit, dude. It was. I remember I remember uh playing them back on a uh Playing them back on a stereo just to hear what it was like.
1: I'm making a joke in the IRC channel, about it's not even a joke. I'm just saying player missile graphics.
0: Yes, sprites. That's when I first learned about the concept of sprites when I had the Vic Twenty, and, mm. and it was the big uh, it was the big leap forward in graphics for Vic Twenty that people figured out how to do sprite animation because it used way less memory than the other way that yep. they did it. So. All right, so let's go to a list of things I wanted to talk to Liz about. So mentoring. Ah. So this is a thing that is near and dear, and this is not a lie, that is near and dear to my heart. And I take great personal pride in the fact that the three strangers who I started mentoring have gone on to success, and that makes me feel incredibly happy. That I set aside a bunch of time to... Teach a bunch of strangers the stuff that I wish there had been somebody around to teach me. Um, And even though one of my apprentices has since rudely abandoned me, and we know who you are, don't you, Matt Frost? (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Frosty. That's right. Moving on teasing me by going to hot Dogs when he was in chicago and he couldn't bring himself to take me when i was there in may but that's another story another oh. bitter bitter story for another time um but so i take great personal pride in that i've i've helped jeff matt and then um jake mcgraw who's the other gentleman who i mentored who is uh works for um um uh, uh, fashion-related startup in uh, New York City, and he's pushed his way up into a nice um, senior kind of like CTO-ish, director of engineering type position with them, and that gives me two big thumbs up, too, about that. Thumbs up. So Liz was the one that actually made a big push uh, about the PHP mentoring stuff, I remember, at... Lone Star PHP that I went to that Liz gave a talk and she was wearing the Leia outfit and it was an awesome presentation about uh, mentoring.
1: Oh yeah, that was a good one.
2: Yes. Yes. Actually, I did that twice. I did it once at Lone Star and then I did it again at Tech in the Leia outfit because I was told that if I gave the talk again, I had to dress up as Leia.
0: The whole
2: concept was the deck was themed, Star Wars themed because I was using Padawan and, and... and their master is like a, a, what's the big word? Ah, metaphor for how mentorships work. Anyway, the buns were fun. Lots of pictures popped up all over the internet on me about that.
1: Buns are fun.
0: <laughs> well, remember. What? I didn't, Why All ages, Ed, all ages. I'm pretty Pat- sure we're, in- in- I'm pretty sure that. Patrick is listening. We can't be doing we, this. We're decidedly not.
1: <laughs> all ages. We know that. There's a warning on the damn podcast feed. iTunes is not for if you can't, not if you're under 18. Can't have it, kids.
0: I would love to know if that actually has stopped anybody from downloading it, because it sure as hell <laughs> didn't stop me.
1: Those warnings never stop anyone.
0: Hey, 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 you're not a guest.
1: <laughs> I uh it's- yeah, for those I, uh, of know,
0: we're yelling at uh, we're yelling at Liz's um, son.
2: Zip it, new, pocket
0: PC, zip it.
2: He's my new mentorship project. Well, he's not new. I've been working on him for a while, like sixteen years. But
0: uh, I actually had him sh- sh- <laughs> uh, So let's talk about mentoring uh, for a little bit. Then I mean, uh, sure. I mean, it seems like you. Uh, I mean, when I first uh, came into this industry in the in the late 1990s, um, the idea of finding a mentor for web stuff, um, I don't know, non-existent. I just basically started searching. I would search online for things and try to get people's email addresses. And if I had a question, I would email them. And then when social media came along, especially Twitter, I was like, oh, I could track down people's um, uh, uh, Twitter handles and then start uh, tweeting at them and asking them questions for stuff. And it kind of seems like I, I, I'm wondering, like, how different things would be if there was more of this mentoring going. Because clearly there's a lot of informal mentoring that goes on. But, I mean, it kind of seems like the mentoring combined with the idea of apprenticeships, I mean, it would really change kind of how tech um, would look like because really we're talking about like, this is a really specialized skill set and how many man hours are wasted by people having to people um, cycling around and finding stuff on their own if there was just where that 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 time could have been better spent um, with someone else that's done it all before and, and passing that knowledge on I don't know is there like a general reluctance among tech people to like formally share things with people
2: ah. Uh... I'm not sure that it's reluctance to share things. I think it has to do more with the fact that um, some of it is the fact that people feel like they're giving away something for nothing. All right, they feel like, well, if I'm teaching somebody, I should be paid for what I'm doing. And, you know, I can see that in a way. Uh, But on the other hand, I've always ascribed to the idea that Yes, I can take this junior dev and I can do the work that he was supposed to do in a quarter of the time. It's going to take me three times as long to teach him how to do it. But if I teach him how to do it, then the next time he may only need me for one question. And the time after that, they only may need me for, you know, half a question. So in the end, I'm saving myself time. For me, it is, a, it is every bit as much as writing a library. I am maximizing my time input. Man. Anyway, so I maximize my time input by taking the time up front to teach somebody how to do it the right way so I don't have to go up behind them and clean up, and I don't have to answer a million questions when I'm not there personally in front of a, a
0: computer doing the work. Scary parallels to parenting.
2: Yes. In fact, uh, I, I kind of joke about this sometimes. Um, in many ways, I feel like the PHP mom anymore. Uh, not in a bad way, but just I feel older than a lot of the younger devs coming in. And, and there's lots of people I help with. And sometimes I have to smack people in the in you know chat rooms. Um, yeah, it feels like being mom. But that's not necessarily a bad skill set. You know, to learn how to teach people and manage people to make both your life and theirs better.
0: Wasn't Liz Naramore, though, the PHP mom?
2: Maybe. She's a little more... You know what? If she's mom, I would probably be the dad because I'm strict and kind of <clears throat>
0: sometimes. Yeah, I'd agree. Oh, with yeah, because there's no strict moms out there. Man, what, nope. well, what communities did you
1: grow up off. in, Liz? Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Bunch of goddamn hippies.
0: <laughs> Dad's a programmer. Mom's a pushover. I mean, come on, Liz. It's
2: really My family's opposite, but
0: yeah. A programmer who's a pushover can't see it. can't see it at all Uh, so yeah so so again I mean I found mentoring to be like a really enjoyable experience chance to talk to people and I I know that I'm starting to do some uh, mentoring again with people and um just the idea of talking about anything and and talking about, I mean, I talk about stuff to do, program, I even talk about career development, I even talk about, like, I tell people when they start doing the mentoring stuff with me, is like, we can talk about whatever you feel like talking about, um, and it doesn't matter. Um, just having someone else to talk to, I think, is really the important thing, because the more people, it sometimes seems the more people that are online... Uh, the more isolated some people get, and I understand reluctance to talk to people people are anxious they 're awkward they 're uh, reluctant to speak out for fear of looking dumb, and like my whole recent career is all built on pretending to be dumb, so there 's nothing really you shouldn 't feel bad about anything like I tell my kids, there are no dumb questions, there's only dumb answers, and I give lots of them so um. <laughs> I mean, uh, asking questions is good, and having discussions with people um, is good. Twitter's okay for that sort of thing in short snippets, but, I mean, to me, nothing beats a nice long Skype conversation with somebody these days.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so I want to hear about, you can change names, but I want to hear the, like, the really horrible mentoring stories.
0: I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard, like, my experiences were all good. I don't know. There must be a few that went completely off the rails when people got, um, got uh, matched together. Liz may know more about that because mine was like, I said, okay, who wants some help? And three people quickly volunteered, and that, re- that relationship um, went really, really well. So, I don't know. Must be some horrible ones out there.
2: No, actually, I've done, you know, I've done Google Summer Code a few times either, and I really haven't. The only bad experience I've ever had with mentorship. Is people just disappearing, and you know that that's uh, that's real life. Um, that's lack of motivation, things like that. I mean, it's just I've never personally heard any horror story other than, oh, this person just stopped. You know, they they stopped talking to me. They stopped uh, putting time in, whatever, and and then the mentorship is gone at that point because if you don't have two people trying to work doesn't happen
0: so so liz has it been more of like the mentor doesn't uh doesn't put in the time or the mentee uh slave apprentice whatever you want to call them uh doesn't <laughs> yeah. put in the time like are you are you finding there's a, a pattern or it just doesn't no. seem to be a recognizable I, one?
2: I i have not seen a pattern i have seen both ways i've seen you know people who are interested in mentoring you know do, who's, who are the mentor just like disappear and the guy who's the apprentice comes back and says, oh, I don't know what happened to him. I'm like, I don't know either. Uh, and I've seen a lot. Well, I will say this. I tend to see more of the apprentices drop off the face of the earth than the mentors. However, I think it's pretty closely um, associated to the amount of enthusiasm and work they did to get the mentorship going in the first place. Uh, Somebody who just drops into the room, puts their name on the list, maybe sends one email, and the person's like, sure, I'll mentor you, and they like talk once on IRC. And they set nothing up. Those are the kind that are like, yeah, nothing really happens. The ones who take the time to sit down and have a written, this is the stuff we're talking about, this is the days of the week things are going to happen, those tend to last longer. Um, And I really feel that a lot of that enthusiasm has to come from The Apprentice. Right, because you need kind of an even trade-off. Uh, the mentor is giving of their time and skills, so I think that the the enthusiasm for going and setting up the new things really has to come from the apprentice. and And the ones where I see very enthusiastic apprentices are the ones where I see the mentors really doing a good job. At least yeah. in my experience. So.
0: Yeah, I know when I when I did the stuff with Matt and Jake and. Um... Uh, and um, Jeff Carruth. Um, For me, the critical thing was just scheduling everything and saying, we're going to meet on a regular basis. I mean, I live out of my calendar, and I tell people, um, you know, uh, if they want to know how to get a lot of stuff done, um, the key is to use a calendar and, and schedule. I schedule everything. I even schedule, I have entries in my calendar for like, Hanging out, watching TV with my wife, or I put in like when I have to go to my kids, um, uh, when I have to go to my youngest daughter's softball games, and when I'm going to go play um, Crack the Gathering, and then when I'm going to spend a Saturday doing nothing. I mean, I put those into my calendar um, so that I know, so that when I look, I can commit to yes, I can do this, or no, I can't do this. Um, Because I've had numerous people comment to me, uh, they can't believe how busy I am. And I'm like, well, I just, the key to getting stuff done is getting stuff done, I guess, and you know, I I really don't think I could have written my books and do all this other stuff if I didn't use the calendar and, and be very strict about scheduling time. And so I did the same thing with the uh, with my apprentices. I'm like, okay, we're going to meet at this date, this time. Be there. Um, I'm available for this time slot. If you're not going to there, well, then, if you're not going to be there, well, that's great. Then I can just vegetate for the time period that we had set aside. But um, commitment uh, commitment in terms of time is probably the biggest obstacle I I see people having um, with mentoring. Um, transferring knowledge is easy. to... To do you just have an informal conversation? You talk about whatever you want, but use your calendar, folks. Don't be slackers. Schedule time. Schedule everything. Um, that way, you can get to doing all the things that you really want to do. There's very little that I really want to do that I don't eventually get done, which I think kind of surprised me when I sat down and started looking at it.
2: That's human nature. We we will fill the time with something, right? Even if it's just sitting and vegetating. Um, if you've ever done estimation you know that if you overestimate you'll stretch the work to fill the time slot it's no different than working with you know people as well scheduling works wonders you will fill the time
1: so hey i got a question for you guys about your mentoring process have you have you ever used your mentoring position to have somebody killed
0: not yet, but I've, a, but, no. I've abu- but I've abused my mentoring position to get people to like, drive me places and pick me up stuff. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yes, I did that at Tech.
2: No, mine is, mine is basically I, I I abuse my mentoring privileges to get people to write open source code that I want to write that I don't have the time for.
0: Ooh, that's a good
1: idea.
2: So that is that is what Patrick is for.
1: Oh.
0: Hey, we told you don't talk. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've never made my uh, made my apprentice go out and write uh, write code to do stuff, but uh, I definitely jokingly said, "Hey, i um, you know I need a ride somewhere. You're my apprentice. You're going to give me a lift today." Uh, when I was at the conference, that was all. That was that was fun to do. But um, yeah, nice no, never, haven't had anybody killed yet. That's uh, I don't know. That, that's a lot of knowledge I'd have to impart onto somebody in exchange for that. Maybe once I've learned JavaScript better, I can get into that. <laughs>
2: I, I just don't know if there's anybody that I would bother to do that to.
0: Oh,
1: I'm sure you can think of somebody Oh, else. come on. Let's try. I mean, I think we put a little effort into this. We can come up with somebody who should be murdered.
0: <laughs> come on. We can do this. We can make this work, Liz. Sure.
1: Uh, good times. Good times. Good friends.
0: Yeah, don't worry, Liz. We'll talk about it after we've stopped recording. We'll figure out somebody.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're uh, getting close to wrapping up here. You I, want me to talk more about sponsors?
0: Uh, no, I don't think we're quite at that point yet. Uh, so let me go over my handy-dandy list. Yeah, so we talked about being old as dirt. We talked about mentoring. We talked about Windows. Oh, yeah. So, oh, HHVM, this reminds me of something. So uh, I... I Tweeted about this earlier today, but for those who are interested in learning more about uh, HHVM and hack, so you can do two things. Number one, Liz did a really good presentation on it at Tech. So Liz recently retweeted uh, or sent a link to the slides out to Jeremy McCullough, but I'm sure we can, I'm sure I can track it down in my Twitter feed. But secondly, I found out today that uh, um, somebody's doing a 30 days of hack Lang um, email. Thing uh, Every day is going to send something that they have learned um, about Hack. So if you're interested in learning more about HHVM and Hack, um, I highly recommend signing up for the course. I'll, I'll, I'll track down the link because I subscribe to it. I'll track down the link and put it into the show notes, and I highly recommend people um, check that out just so they can kind of see what... Uh, what Facebook um, has been doing, what they've been, because for the, I mean, Hack basically is something that's PHP-like that sits on top of HHVM and brings the wonders of almost static typing. And uh, more importantly, though, I think the thing that people don't don't know enough about is the static code analysis that goes on um, with the tools that uh, Facebook uses. I mean, I know when I played around with it um, when it was under NDA before they went public, I was amazed at some of the interesting stuff that it found in my code things that I hadn't thought about but clearly mattered once you move to that kind of gradual typing environment where, you know, you specifying not only parameters, but you're also specifying return types, how those things um, suddenly matter.
2: Yeah, it's pretty fun to work on. I mean, it's masochism at the moment because I'm porting something that barely runs even on Unix to Windows. But on the other hand... I'm one of those crazy people who likes doing hard things and going, ha-ha. My my family can attest that when I got it compiling, there was literally a stand-up dance around the room moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, getting things poured over to Sigwin is, uh, that's quite the accomplishment list.
2: Sigwin's only part of it. Next on the list is MinGW, and then we're going to uh, Visual Studio 14, the the new CTP that's out. Oh, man. Um, in the next year or so, Microsoft is releasing a new Visual Studio and a new compiler that does not suck. It's amazing.
0: Oh, they've said that before.
2: No, like really, the CRT part, the the C runtime that sucked eggs. They rewrote the whole thing. Oh,
0: I thought there you meant cath- I thought you meant cathode ray tube. I'm sorry. Huh? Oh, that'd be cool. New Microsoft CRT. It's like a green, green, uh, t- green, green tinted uh, secondary screen that uh, shows all your debugging stuff while you're using Visual Studio. And that would be color. awesome. That actually would be pretty fucking a, sweet.
2: A theme for my PowerShell that does that.
0: Oh, very nice. Ooh. Well, I don't know. I mean, unless there's anything else that you want to talk about, if you want to grill Ed and I about something, I don't know. Otherwise, we're just about done, I think.
2: Oh, I think I've talked at you long enough. Um, the only things I have to say is. I wish everyone would get involved in mentoring somebody because everybody has something to teach. And 15 minutes a day of open source from everyone would make the world a better place.
1: I like that. Just 15 minutes a day, you could save an open source
2: channel. (laughs) That's a good one. that's my pitch. Whenever people tell me I don't have time to do mentoring or I don't have time to do open source. I'm that's like, when
0: I scream at them, make some time motherfucker. I found that works pretty good too.
2: <laughs> I usually tell them, do you have 15 minutes a day? Take your, take your laptop into the bathroom with you.
0: I don't whoa, know. Whoa, do you, whoa, whoa TMI, a day? <laughs> TMI. you don't want to combine those two types of dumps. Don't be doing <laughs> that. Oh, I get it now. (laughs) Core dump has two meanings, Ed. Oh, my bad. All right. So anyway, I do believe we've reached the end. (laughs) because <laughs> we're going to end I don't, I don't see how we could possibly top that last little exchange so I think <laughs> I think we should end here this has been episode number 48 of the Development of Hell podcast Liz thanks so much for joining us uh, interesting talk as always I'm sure our paths will cross again at conferences I got my fingers crossed about ZenCon um, I will be appearing at um, Cake Fest in Madrid uh, towards the end of August where I'm sure it's going to be 17 billion degrees centigrade when I'm there mm-hmm. um uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, my involvement with the CakePHP community goes way, way back. I was at the very first uh, CakeFest that they ever did in Orlando, um, and I had a great time at that one. Oh, I know that somebody asked earlier about any news about True North PHP. I know I keep tweeting about this. We finally have confirmation of the dates. I just need to make sure that all the paperwork and everything has been signed correctly, and then we can then I can finally update the call for papers and get people submitting talks for True North. Um, we have the dates that we want we just have to work it through microsoft again will be uh, microsoft will be sponsoring this year so they are taking care of paying for the venue we just have to has to wind its way through the bureaucracy to make sure the stamps and signatures and everything are good um, we have the dates that we want we have the availability of all three of the rooms that we want so i'm very excited that it looks like it's a go again for this year so fingers crossed it's like 99 done so hey can you make it warmer Yeah, no, I can't do much to control the weather. Um, If I was using another language other than PHP, I know with Python, I could just do import weather and we would probably be okay. But sorry, bro. bro. So before we go, Ed, why don't you run through the sponsors again for us since you did such an awesome job the first time?
1: Uh, Yes. Our first sponsor uh, is watchmecode.net. And that's where you go and you learn JavaScript via awesome screencasts that they, they do a new one weekly. And you learn a lot of stuff about like basic, like language fundamentals and internal stuff. And then also just like tools and tutorials, how to do testing, how to do all this stuff and all your best practices with JavaScript, uh, so that it doesn't seem like such a deep, dark nightmare, uh, that it, it is to most people, and uh, so it Watch Me Code handles all that stuff for you, teaches you how to do it. It was screencast, so you get to look at a pretty picture, which is really helpful. A lot of people like to look at pictures and things that move around, and it stimulates their brains to learn. Um, now, the awesome thing is that you can get with a special super offer that only Dev Hell can provide. Only we have this kind of uh, this kind of pull. That you get 35% off a subscription if you go to watchmecode.net slash dev hell, D E V H E L L. And you get that 35% off. You gotta go to slash dev hell, watchmecode.net slash dev And you'll get that super special dev hell only subscription rate, which is just awesome. And you're going to love it. And then the other, uh, our other sponsor is Rove. Uh, there are like these badass PHP developers So you hire them. They come in, they take your code base, they take it out back, they fuck it up. They whip it into shape. Like it's gone through basic training in the Marines and they uh, take care of business for you and they bring it back and they're like, everything's fine now. You know, it's all taken care of and you, your code base is just awesome. And so they, these are like the dudes you bring in like a tactical unit that comes in <laughs> and just kicks ass all over your code, and just builds awesome stuff for you. And they do training sessions, too, so you can be, like, a super Navy SEAL with PHP, too. And uh, it's Rove, R-O-A-V-E, or, like I've talked before, Roav. You might, Roav, also. You can say that, too, um, if you want to, if, that, if that's easier to remember. R-O-A-V-E, Rove.com.
0: Yeah, no, I like the Navy SEAL metaphor way better than the, uh, way better than the ninja one.
1: Yeah, that, that's way better. I don't know that's why. Right. Why want me, to ninja? They're they're all, they got killed off.
0: You know you just can't see them anymore. Oh, that's a good point. So, uh, as always, um, you can find every single episode that we we've ever done of the podcast, um, available at devhell.info, along with show notes. And we have a whole bunch of notes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll put those up, um, as soon as the episode is uh, done and in the can and edited and everything, um, also, you can find the podcast on iTunes. If you do find it on on iTunes, please, please, please rate it. Uh, that gives us an idea of whether to keep doing these kind of uh, episodes. I, don't, I haven't heard too many complaints, but you never know. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, um, dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter, Chris Archer's Grumpy Program without the U. You can find Ed on Twitter, FunkoTron with the U. You can find Liz on Twitter. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Aurora, 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 Aurora's Aurora. Aurora? <laughs> Aurora O's. O's. Aurora O's. It sounds like a, it sounds like a breakfast cereal. Aurora O's. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think that's right. enough. Thanks for coming on, Liz. We had a good time. Good night, Internet.
1: Good night, everybody.